Hey, and welcome back to 303 Radio, a podcast that gives you an insight into the worlds of small business and digital marketing, as well as anything else that inevitably sidetracks us. I'm Jamie, one of the directors at 303, and today I'm joined once again by Ollie, and uh, we're also excited to have one of the founders of London Muscle, James Exton. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. <laughs> Such a cute reply. Ah, that's <laughs> what I do. Nice and polite. Good, good stuff. There's probably people listening now that know you very, very well. Um, obviously, we, the three of us share a business as well, so there's, there's more to you just being a founder of London Muscle. But for people who don't know anything, do you want to give a bit of a, a, bit of a brief of uh, who you are, where you come from, what you do, um, and a bit of an overview of London Muscle? Yeah, no problem at all. So uh, I guess without giving a full lifestyle, uh, I am founder and managing director of London Muscle. Uh, I also own a joint venture with Ollie, which is the winning touch, and also work alongside Jamie with that as well. And also own two other businesses, one of which is in the barbering world called ProCuts, and the final one which is in a kind of uh, protection world, but not kind of violent protection. Uh, trainer protection, clothing protection. It's a violent protection. <laughs> I mean, for all the people to launch a brand like that, like yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. I mean, no. So, so uh, a number of different brands across different industries. Um, my background originally was law. Um, I studied law, qualified as a barrister, and worked in the um, criminal defence scene. So that's what I did before. When I actually don't know this. When did you leave law officially? Well, I'm very old now. So we started London Muscle back in 2013. So 2013. 2013, 2014. Oh, so you literally started line of muscle, but finished law pretty much at the same time? Within the first year of it, yeah. And how long were you actually practicing law for? A year. A year? Yeah. Oh, nice. So in the interim, but... So London Muscle started in 2013. Yep. Obviously, many people involved, including your brother, um, and now it looks looks slightly different, but what? Um, why did you start London Muscle at that time? Because I feel like 2013 was a pretty, like, big year for Pivotal. social... Yeah, like, social, the fitness space is not as saturated as it was is now sorry but like what made you start that so we started it um like you say back in 2013 uh i was in full-time work in london uh, working for a law firm criminal practice there uh, my twin brother was working in the city in finance uh, and the other two founders max and lloyd were um uni i believe actually if i recall right but anyway we're all in our own kind of capacity doing different things different walks of life and our hobby was was fitness um, yeah we went to the gym uh, obviously myself and Tom are twins, those two guys are brothers, um, but look like twins more confusingly. Um, and locally people kind of knew of us guys um, and used to ask the same question time and time again. You know, what do you do in the gym? What should I do? What should I eat? Uh, how many times a week should I train? All those kind of questions. So a fifth member behind the scenes of London Muscle at the time when we started it, um, who until recently has been involved, I've actually brought him out recently, yeah. um, suggested that having overheard a conversation at Starbucks, local to where we started, that people were talking about it and there was a potential business to be created there to sell the advice that we were giving for free. Yeah. And there was a little bit of a following already. So anyway, whistle stop tour. We started social media in 2013. Uh, our whole niche was look, we're full full-time workers or in full-time commitments. We go to the gym, we're hundred percent natural. We don't take steroids. We look a certain way. People want to know how to do that around a normal, busy working social life. Yeah. This is how you do it. Yeah, because I think at that time as well, because I obviously, we grew up in the same sort of area. We were kind of from the same place in London, both me and you. And I remember, I remember when it launched because it was pretty innovative in a way. The whole online thing was yeah. massive. Um, and like, because obviously you start with the guides and then developed yeah. it from there. But I remember when it launched, like it was a pretty big thing. I mean, I was probably what, 17, 18 at the time. So mm. I was probably one of the main markets. I know a lot of your yeah. market was city guys, yeah. but I remember when it launched and it was like, this Novel. is yeah it was, it was kind of yeah, like it was, what was going on it was yeah 
Yeah, I mean, it started for six months. It was just a free content hub, just to develop yeah. a following of leads. So content marketing based business where we just gave away free content to get a real loyal and yeah. engaged following. And then we were all kind of juggling that alongside work, you know, messaging people on Twitter, yeah. Instagram answering questions whilst in the office getting an absolute uh, roasting from our management. So <laughs> we, we kind of realized soon that there had to be some give and there had yeah. to be some monetization for us to continue to provide that, that portal that level, of advice. Yeah. And that's when you, like you say, we started with what was at the time very novel providing it training but digitally yeah simple simple pdf may yeah, as well yeah. have been a word document yeah this is what you do with so many reps yeah yeah and because tw twitter was huge for you right i remember twitter was like, huge was twitter was our founding hub that really was the shifts obviously happened in the last few years over to instagram more so twitter's dying yeah out a bit more in that perspective it's yeah. a bit more kind of just a uh kind of up-to-date news bulletin twitter really it's not such a marketing it's like tool. Co customer service now a lot of it that yeah kind of customer stuff now. service it's not so much for brand awareness for us anymore yeah. still a hub of followers and guys on there we still interact we still post content but yeah, yeah. it's really not got the same value amazing and, and at that stage that was london muscles socials not through you yeah so that was so all much. ours and with that i wasn't even on social media when we started i didn't even use it yeah and then we started our personals as well as a wider um fan to bring people in yeah and funnel them through into, into yeah. the fitness business how, how big of a, an influence on the business has it been for you and tom to have strong kind of personal brands over and above just your clearly london musk has got an amazing following as well but yeah i think i think in order to keep growing it's very difficult once you hit a certain stage with london muscle for instance to continue to reach a new audience in itself without external mm. kind of um hooks and that was something my brother championed from day one. It is so important to have our own following that may be slightly different, even better if they are from one another, and to really focus on kind of your own, your own personal brand, which then would obviously be the catalyst for that venture and the ones we've gone on to do. Yeah. And he invested heavily, heavily in himself from the start. Um, and when I say invested, I don't mean monetary. I mean just time, effort, content, and building who he is today, which you know is extremely valuable and continues to be a valuable uh, funnel for all of the businesses and. You know, I've listed a couple I'm involved in, but he's involved in probably double that still. Mm. And each of them has that same foundation platform and that's him. And that's a loyal, engaged yeah. audience of people that buy into what he does. Yeah, yeah. And that obviously works for our own ventures, but also if you do, um, gives you value for other brands that want to utilize that platform. Yeah, Definitely. of course. And like kind of final question on, on that. The twin thing, I know kind of the answer for this, but like, I think the twin thing was a massive, and all, I suppose the brothers as well, but like the twin thing's quite a huge in a weird way, like I think people really buy into that in terms yeah, of like the family vibe and the fact that like you guys are always shouting each other out online and obviously I know Tom as well, but like it's very much like community based and I yeah, think people definitely. buy into that, don't they? Yeah, it's, it doesn't scream a corporate kind of company that's trying to, yeah. to earn um, profit out of it. Kind of just felt more more like a natural kind of family run business, which it was and, and to some extent still is now. Yeah, because um, I think the best thing, one of the, like I remember seeing tweets and stuff go out in the very early days, but one of the, I think not the best thing, but a really good little kind of hack that you were doing is signing things off with your initials, which yeah, I, yeah, I thought where like your Instagram handle was kind of developed into, but like and you still do it now. Yeah, but yeah, like we, I think that is a massive personal touch, which I feel like a lot of new brands now really care about this brand and it needs to come from the brand. Whereas actually I don't think they understand, you know, even with the winning touch, if, if you're looking after our DMs or we're doing customer service or we're talking to a new client or whatever it might be or customer, knowing it's coming from you, not because of who you are, but just knowing they're actually speaking to a human and like mm. engaging publicly. Mm. I think a lot of brands miss out on that and they kind of hide behind their brand name and actually gives no identity. They do. And, and I actually find it's kind of a bit of a, a safety blanket, for instance, you know, if, you, if you're, let's just say one of my ventures, if there's a stock, um, issue um, or, or an issue with a customer's order which inevitably happens outside of your control yeah. if it's one of us guys that replies personally 
never ever get anyone even remotely moan. They know we're busy. They know we're working. They know we're bothered. We know they know that we're personally trying to resolve it. Yeah. Whereas if you just put a nondescript sales representative customer service, they get you know they yeah, get it just doesn't matter. So well. it gives you that scope where people actually kind of go, all right, do you know what? That's fine. Yeah. Like, and no one moans. Like, it's cool. I know you're busy. No rush. It's a totally different kind of audience of people, which is wicked. Yeah. Um, and makes it kind of slightly more. Um, and I think people respect the fact that you don't just think you're above even jumping in customer service stuff. And I think so. Yeah. You know, yes. You know, you could be more efficient if you paid someone else to do it potentially. But at the same time, so long as things are manageable, I'm always of the opinion I'll do it myself rather yeah. than pay yeah. staffing and keep things as 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 low cost base as possible. Yeah. Um, don't want to rope round your neck or expenses obviously if it prevents you expanding but it's not yeah but i think even then like even you know other brands that maybe started doing that and adapted away from it um i think it's still important to give that no matter how yeah, you've got 100%. three people in a customer service team and they won't do it to the same standard or care as you they're just yeah. on a wage so it's just the accountability isn't it it's like if you put je at bottom of message yeah. and something is wrong there or you haven't dealt with it properly you're then accountable so for like exactly. sales teams or customer service teams having that internally means you're accountable but also externally someone can see that you're being accountable for yeah. what's going on and i think the other thing as well our businesses aren't nine five so for instance like you know if it's nine ten o'clock at night i'll just check inboxes yeah um and just make sure everything's all right if there's a customer that's knocked rather than letting them fester to 9 a.m in the morning which would happen if you had a conventional kind of yeah. staff yeah. member manning it you can just jump in straight away yeah and clear it um and if you're going to do that anyway there's no point paying someone during the day really is there you might as well just do it all. Yeah. So I mean, we do, right? So it yeah, makes sense. Yeah, exactly. I think it makes the most sense to kind of manage it yourself. Um, and at least you can see then kind of where things are going wrong. Yeah. Rather than customer service or something that might just be like, oh, I'll fix the problem, but not actually the end problem that's causing the problem in the first place. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think we, uh, that's clearly a big lesson learned, but I think we touched on it, that it was pretty forward thinking to go for an online only business when you did. Yeah, um, yeah, that's quite pioneering in, in some ways. And there's obviously been quite a few somewhat copycats that have yeah. sort of followed followed on from that what's kind of the biggest lesson learned about starting an, an online only business that early on i think in terms of the online only i'm very much kind of the opinion especially for people looking to start there's never been more ways to make money never and the barriers to entry and the, and the things to stop people starting their own business is isn't there in the same way it used to be there's no startup cost in terms of we started london muscle with 50 pounds for a logo that was split five ways. So I think most people <laughs> listening to this, you know, what's that? What's that each, lads? Turner. Well done, lads. We're in. The maths We're in. at the end. Um, but Accountant. yeah, I think, I think the key thing there really is, apart from the fact that it was £10 to start it, you don't need this big pot of mum and dad behind you to start something. Yeah. You don't need a premises. You can start everything for your mobile phone. 80% of my business is still mobile. Yeah. Yeah, I use a laptop and a mobile. I've got rid of an office space. I don't do anything front-facing with clients. I don't need a place to welcome people mm. I can work from home or other places so I think for that for that aspect of the online stuff really is just keeping it as lean as possible and not having any any expenses that you don't need yeah for the sake of it obviously we, you guys are in a totally different space you rely yeah. on, a, on, a, on a tangible space and your clients require a space to, to come and do the stuff that you guys offer but yeah I think it's interesting we, we our first podcast was kind of about how we're now 303 and we've moved from green tea mm. but like one of the things we did talk about is kind of the office we're now sat in here is that actually like the amount of time we waited to just get this space that mm. where we can actually like this time last year we were in a shoebox i mean you you came there there was yeah, two yeah. or three desks in there yeah. there's too many staffs for the space and we were mm. really looking at it as kind of 
where I looked at it is a necessity until you want to make it a luxury. Yeah. Like this office now is still kind of a luxurious stage, but also is needed because we've got team, we've got staff, we've got equipment, yeah, yeah. we've got all that stuff. So like we are kind of literally, I think, waited till the last minute to really need this space. And I think, well, I know you so definitely right, when the threats were coming in about <laughs> people not rocking up. It will evolve into being a monetizing platform. Exactly. Now I've used your space for, for a lot of things and from yeah, a yeah. man's perspective, if you've got a place that's kind of, you've got every base covered in terms of the content. Yeah. That's the biggest pain for someone in my position. Yeah, Don't know yeah. what I'm doing with the camera. Can't content create myself yeah. properly or not the premium kind of stuff. Yes, the organic stuff that we can yeah, knock up course, stories, yeah. but that's not everything, yeah. even if it's just web images and stuff. So from that perspective, um, obviously that that kind of service is just, you need a space to do it. Yeah. That um, you were talking about kind of like opportunity to, for anyone to kind of make you know, cash online or mm. build a business online. Mm. Do you, do you think that like, obviously we're in a period of time with, you know, COVID going on. There's a lot of people who've been made redundant or mm. they've lost their jobs or whatever. The way I'm looking at it is you've kind of been forced in this position where if you are going to start that business kind of now in a way is a really good time to do yeah, that. Definitely. Um, like what are your thoughts on trying to general current climate in terms of if you've got an idea, is it good time to start it now? Or is it like a kind of still a bit, you know, the way I look at it is you're forced into that risk in some ways. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, a big opportunity at the moment. Yeah, 100%. I think now's the best best time ever. I mean, we've launched, we will have launched two businesses that have been um, kind of masterminded through the period. Yeah. The marketplace has expanded because of the situation that we're in. Yeah. And, you know, we're executing it in, in it and at the back end of it. And I think also with this period, there's no point over analyzing it. No one has a clue what's about to happen. Yeah. No one knows what's happening tomorrow, let alone next week. So that for those that love a rigid plan or those people that feel that they need a rigid plan, forget it, just get on with it. Because, you know, yes, it might fly, yes, it might not, but mm. that's not the point. You don't know what's around the corner. People map out, map the whole 2020 out for a business plan. They wasted every hour Have you ever written a business plan? I, no, I, I've, we adapt to what goes on. Yeah. And I know that sounds really like cliche, but genuinely at the moment now, you know, and also even more reason to have a varied number of income streams yeah. because 100%, yes, some businesses are buoyant and other areas are, are really struggling. Split your eggs into different baskets, spread your risk, win-win. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's definitely. what we're doing. And, you know, something that Tom said to me a number of times in a kind of, I've always understood it, but never thought about it in such a simple way. You know, if you have five, six businesses and they only make you 300 pounds each a week, you know, most people would say, you only make 300 quid a week for your business. Yeah, but actually, 1,500 quid a week. Yeah, it adds up, isn't bad, it? right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, 6K a month. Quit mass 72K a year. It's not hard. It's, you know, that's not bad money. I mean, and that's at 300 pounds a week. Yeah. You know, most of these small ventures, if, if you really know, not really know what you're doing, but you, you get some momentum, you should be doing that a day. Yeah, yeah. I think you that's know, also what I mean about five. That's three hundred and fifty grand a year. Yeah, that's what I mean about COVID as well. Is I think a lot of opportunity. You know, there may be no low-paying job or whatever, and actually, what you can make from all these sort of side ventures, side hustles, you know, passive income, whatever you want to call it, does all add up when you when you really break it down 100%. and do the math and get get targets that are kind of obtainable, are realistic, are actually what the market's saying. You don't need to do the biggest yeah. business plan and make a million quid from one business. You no. can. And you the can amount make of time you can waste just speculating on what what may when happen or you could yeah. just sort of make hey actually going something like pro cuts like what could be more topical than everyone moaning about not having, bring having a barber how many people like, want to save money now have had their eyes open to the fact that they can actually groom themselves maybe not every single week but you know most gents that have a certain hairstyle whatever will 
like the way it looks when they first come out of the barbers. That lasts for about four days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a haircut's now, you know, I'm showing my age. A haircut was eight quid when I was younger. Six, eight pounds. It's 30, 35 now. Yeah. Yeah. I cut my hair every week. That's 35 pounds saved a week. Yeah. I've done that for 15 years. Penny watch. Quick maths. That's not quick enough, but you get the gist. But, but now I've turned Slow it I've, You know, I did it at uni to make extra money. I still do it now for friends. I still make a bit of cash on the side doing it. Yeah. It's more of a social, but I've created a business out of that. Yeah. Why? Because people watch my Instagram live with me cutting my own hair. And I had a light bulb moment during lockdown and I thought, crikey, yeah. Why not supply people yeah. with, the cl- with the clippers that I use? Yeah. Right, it's that simple, Me- right? Meanwhile, people, some people are thinking what the hair salon market's going to be like in November 2021. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the is, the, is the retail price of uh, the next launch going up? No, yeah. we'll just get on with it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it uh, it's an excuse, isn't it? And also, one thing you just mentioned about low-paying jobs and stuff, one thing that I'd like, you know, keen to stress, you know, up until I started London Muscle, I was on below minimum wage working in paper shops at five o'clock in the morning doing paper rounds. I was working nights as security. I was working nights in retail at Hollister. I was working nights in supermarkets. I was working every hour um, that you could possibly imagine. I was doing 320, 350 hours a month. You work out what that is a week, if not yeah, 360. Nice. I was sleeping in my car between shifts. Why? Because even on a low wage, cumulatively, those hours still made me decent money each month. Yeah. Yes, I was slaving away for it, but that allowed me to have the capital to then buy my first property, even on low, low yeah. Low, low hourly wages and you know if you've got an idea and yeah it's not going to boom overnight probably unless you reinvent the wheel yeah. but 40 hour week job let me tell you there's a lot more hours in a week than 40 you can easily have your bread and butter income which you may not be happy with but pays all your bills keeps you happy keeps you sleeping at night because you're covered yeah there's a there's another 20 hours a week easily yeah without slave driving yourself there's things called a weekend where those online ventures and those ideas you want they don't need a huge amount of time actually invested if you're sure. organized you could film or shoot or whatever it is you need to do all your con- content in two hours on a saturday and that's mm. your week sorted draft all your posts yeah you know or if your wife and your kids are asleep and it's 10 o'clock at night and that's your hour to focus on them. there's so many ways to do it yeah. without having to go it's either this idea i've had or my my salary that's the thing i think a lot of people because you know i obviously we've been to public events with you and Tom. I obviously used to film for Tom's channel and stuff. And I've seen conversations you've had with kind of, you know, your audience and stuff where they're like, you know, where do you get the motivation from? Where do you do it? And I think a lot of people seem to think that it needs to be like part of your genetics, part of your DNA to do work, all these jobs. I was a bit like, I probably wasn't the extent of you, but like Mm. I had multiple jobs. I was starting this company when I had two other jobs and I had three paper rounds on the same street to try and make as much revenue from that street, like all that sort of stuff, which, you know, I know we spoke about before, but I think a lot of people seem to think you have to have it like embedded in you to do all these things. Whereas a lot of the time, I think your message to them is like, no, just start with one, get that rolling and then start banging on all the others 100%. and it's not a mindset thing it's just like going with it and your mindset sort of develops a little yeah, bit yeah. is the way I look at yeah, it like, yeah. some people are it opens you know, more doors bit. by the fact you're in more people's faces doing more hours chatting to more people networking more people it opens doors yeah. and I think also a lot of people you know so there could be people listening to this whose families are worth tens of millions there could be people listening to this that are um, from a very very humble beginning yeah. it's irrelevant yeah. really because you can start it with nothing yeah. and anything that you have in your head is a, conce- a, a, a conception that you think that you're yeah. restricted because of your you know social background or even you know ethnic background some people might think i think yeah. all those barriers that people might perceive from maybe people they follow online yeah is a load of junk because like i say me and tom started i used to earn and get up at five in the morning I used to earn two pounds sixty an hour i used to save those two pounds sixty yeah yeah to, and i know that sounds pathetic but actually when you added up that and loads of other stuff that we did it was fine because you were like toilets, security, Mate, scrubbing toilet. I did. You name it. 
as long as that hour was not a duplicate of an hour, mm. I would do it. Yeah, yeah. That's mad. I, I'd do it. Mad. I mean, we, we, Tom and I even we got to the extent where it's probably not the most honest move, but we, you know, we did Hampton Court Flower Show. Yeah. Yeah. We worked Hampton Court, Court Flower Show as twins. They not selling a, flowers. No, they had a lake there. Yeah. They had a lake <laughs> and, a, and a Thai floating market. Here's a story. Here's a story. A nice story I haven't heard this one. They had a Thai inside. floating market there. So they said, we need lifeguards. Well, me and Tom, when we went to university, that's the job we did. Yeah. We got a qualification. It cost us 200 quid. And I worked the whole way through uni lifeguarding. Yeah. Not the whole of my uni career, but the free time I had, which was not much. But anyway, <laughs> it paid my rent and paid my drinking money. <laughs> but anyway. So they needed a lifeguard for the lake. So we said, that's fine. They said, we need two people on site. We said, that's fine. There's two of us, we're twins. Tom and James, hello, and nice to meet you. So anyway, we turned up for work. And after day one, it was very clear that no one really checked on what we did. And as long as someone was watching the lake, everything was fine. Was it just the two of you on the whole lake? Yeah, but it was only a small lake, little lily pads, tie floating market. Lovely, lovely, you know, little items. I was saying. <laughs> Seen it. Yeah, lovely, <laughs> seen it. Yeah, really nice, <laughs> cultural. <laughs> anyway, I digress. They, um, so they didn't check on us. And when they did check on us, they'd come round, and if me and Tom were on a toilet break, they'd say, oh, is, is Tom all right? Yeah, he's fine. He's just gone to the toilet. Alarm bells. There we are. Both paid for the day. One of us snuck, snuck off, and we changed at lunch. The other one went and worked another job. So we were only really? three wages for the day, and then we split it. That's mad. I mean, that's a classic like, excellent thing to do as well. Absolutely <laughs> classic. Um, with, like, that, that was obviously what, that was kind of, Early, you know, early you, noughties, noughties, you have it in you. Yeah. Interestingly, yeah. I do think that some people, a large proportion of people that don't get where they want or make the inroads to where they want, genuinely don't have, whether it's it's not necessarily genetical, but it's just their desire, don't yeah. have the right mindset. 100%. Right. I, I genuinely believe that because I think most people, persistence, actually, in, in, in the kind of online game, persistence will always pay off. Yeah. Mm. Tenacity. And work ethic will always pay off. Again. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean that if one venture fails, you're not investing money, start another one, start another one, start yeah. another one. You know, venture capitalists, they put into nine, one succeeds, they're off. Yeah, one, one hits that the wall, the rest of them die, right? So I, to that extent, I think, it's not if you have it or you don't have it from birth, because I don't believe that. But mm. if you don't have it, just stop talking rubbish about ideas, don't bother doing it. Mm. Either commit to it and then realize it's seven days a week, it's 24 seven, that's the commitment level that you need to be prepared to give, especially at the beginning. If you don't have that, don't bother. Yeah, because I think a lot of people like, you know, 18 to 25 they're making 25 grand a year and they're happy with that and that's their lifestyle they want to do the balance but they're trying to be something maybe that they're not in mm. doing all the ventures whereas i do i get what you're saying because it's kind of you know i've always had a passion for obviously 303 is my main business but i've obviously got these things on the side which excite me and you know put energy and time into other ones because I, I like it yeah and i think if you don't if you don't have a real vested interest in it it's yeah. very hard to get moving on it and that's where you've kind of got to decide actually am i going to be number two yeah. in a business for the rest of my life and that's what I'll be and I'm happy with that if you're happy with that great but don't force yourself into trying mm. to do things when you maybe don't yeah and I think some of it comes down to confidence I think an interesting thing you're hitting on is like you don't need all the money in the world to start a business which is something that most people don't really understand no. especially in this day and age as or you a say. degree yeah or a degree or any of these things I, and to, to make people take yeah Ollie <laughs> to, make people take, to make people take the plunge on starting a business that can be overfacing and maybe a a big degree of what we're actually talking about here yeah, is 100%. actually just backing yourself. Yeah. Like maybe the idea is going to be crap, but don't worry about that. Yeah, like, you'll soon find out. Yeah. And what's T the worst that's happened? You've created an Instagram account and wasted a couple of hours. Yeah. Because also it's not a lot of time, like to start, to really start something properly. Like if you think about when we started the Winning Touch, what, two, two and a bit years ago, the initial, like the initial sort of setup, we did it in a lean way, which meant it didn't need to make much of our time. And if it had have really failed in like three, four months, 
that time you've lost is probably the experience of doing it, the understanding, the conversations you have, the way you've done it. You take that on to the next one if it does fail. And I think a lot of people just think, oh, I've wasted my time with it. Well, actually, there are different ways of looking at it. And I always think that there's good lessons learned in failures. Yeah, there's probably more lessons learned in a failure than there is a success in some yeah, ways, um, which is which is super interesting. And I, th- I think also one other like thing to touch on is even at the stage that I am now, and I'm by no means at any kind of height at all, but the whole obligation of social, you always think, yeah, I'll create this massive company and it will just, you know, run itself and I'll have all these people and I'll sit <laughs> at the top of the pile and, you know, eat, I don't know, whatever, caviar or something. But <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Right. Like in my experience, don't get me wrong, there are business ventures where people are, you know, monumentally successful, got a massive infrastructure, but I think for the most part of people listening to this, I still hands-on on every single venture I do. I'm yeah. still heavily invested in every single one of them. I'm still personally invested in the ones where we do face-to-face. I still teach on the academy. Like, I haven't tried to sort of do the whole like, oh good, we're growing and I'll back Not myself out back. of it. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think that's where, it, from my experience, that's not a business model that works no. for me. Not unless you go, you know, super, super Especially scale. Especially you know, a brand that ultimately is based upon your personal sense. That, that's, that's almost a good point. Like if you are starting these kind of small ventures, you've got to commit to be invested for a big period of time, period five, of time. 10 years. Like yeah. you've got to be there for a long, a long period of time. And if you don't like what you're doing, yeah, and you don't like the idea of that, this isn't, you know, what we're talking about now, creating your own ventures, just in the politest way possible. It's just not for you. No, you have to, you have to have more percentage of yourself really interested in there's always going to be like shit things to do there's always like you know admin tasks you have to do if you sit at the top of a pyramid yeah, most but... of 90, 90% of my work is the least glamorous work it's yeah. soul destroying head banging against the wall stuff yeah yeah but the stimulation is you know I set up London Muscle I go to the gym yeah I I enjoy the gym as a release I enjoy the aesthetic side of it I'm a bloke I'm vain like but you know what I mean I get yeah. it but I'm not like I love the gym no the gym is me. Yeah, I yeah. eat out of Tupperware the whole time. No offense to people that do. That's not me. <laughs> the stimulation for me to get up in the morning isn't jumping around in the garden, believe it or not. Yeah. The stimulation is the commercial side of it. Mm. The satisfaction is the growth of the business. Yeah, it's yeah. not the fitness. I'm a businessman that sells fitness. Yeah. And for London Muscle is the satisfaction in that you, you've helped and, what, and tens, of, yeah, like tens of thousands of yeah. lives. Like yeah, even from PT or like even the IG lives you've done during lockdown, right? You've done 18 what, weeks. Yeah, 18 weeks. Has there been a lot of satisfaction in kind of Massive. giving that back, doing your bit for yeah, yeah, yeah. the situation? Yeah, 100%. And I think that's another thing that's important. A lot of the business ventures people set up, even if they don't make you huge money at the beginning or enough that makes you happy, if you're doing anything that's remotely, even if it's just good feedback, there's always positives along the way. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of what I do now is, you know, with London Muscle, I do do, do some venture. I work in um, I work in a prison and that's something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. I deliver the personal training courses to uh, to young men and, and men that are, perhaps haven't had the chance mm. in life that really relish that and have had some amazing sort of yeah. stories and, and working on a book proposal from the cells to the city with a, with a guy that I work with in there that's now at one of um, London's best gyms performing really, really well. So Amazing. there's stuff like that, that that's not a monetary. Yes, it's got commercial presence. Yeah, of course. And it's got the, the chance to scale into a nationwide project that will benefit thousands of men. And that should be commercially orientated because it's not sustainable otherwise. Mm. Yeah. You know? Where did that come from? Is that from like the My interest to do? Because yeah. you had your legal... Yeah, yeah it came from that. I wanted, that. To go back, I wanted to go back into the legal, the legal realm. I used to do criminal defense work. So I was always in court or prisons and I yeah. always really enjoyed I guess the adrenaline side of that as well and, and yeah. kind of meeting different people every day and everything yeah. was different um, and so I've always had a kind of itch I wanted to scratch 
Yeah. Um, and actually, one of our students that came on privately was a, was a prison officer. And I said, can I come in? You know, I'd love to come in, just see what I can do. Mm. And been in there like two and a half years now. Because um, you're currently in Felton, right? Yeah, working yeah. in Felton, yeah. H&B Felton. And then um, mentor and work with guys on the outside. So I'm meeting a couple of guys tomorrow. So Amazing. yeah, it's kind of, a, it's a comprehensive A to Z rather than just a pick up and drop, which is where it all goes wrong. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah, just touched yeah. on something interesting there that um, I've had come across the desk type thing quite a few times. Something that's socially minded that's able to be co like commercially minded simultaneously. Yeah, 100%. Because I think what people who set out to start a social enterprise neglect is the fact that commercial longevity is the very thing that will fuel the like social gamble that will cause. Yeah. So is that is that like at the very forefront of that? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it. I can't continue to help, you know, hundreds of men that are released from prison if I don't have a funded program that allow. You know, there's only so much you can sponsor people. Yeah. Unless, you know, unless you're Bill Gates or someone. Yeah. So the whole model does rely upon that. And also mine isn't so much profit myself. It would be the whole business model would be employing those that I've worked with that have succeeded to then become the tutors on behalf of London Muscle to then run that project within prison and be on a salary. Yeah, so it's a give back salary as yeah, well. Awesome. Yeah. Yes, London Muscle needs something to, you know, to... Yeah. to like fuel to, it, yeah. yeah, fuel it because it, it, you know, fundamentally there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that needs to be done to allow that. But yeah, fundamentally, yeah, 100%. I don't think people should ever be shy of that. I think it's crazy when people are. Fundamentally, I started with a good deed, but I can't do it for free forever. Yeah. Um, because then I have to stop it. Yeah. Because I can't live. So yeah, you got it. You got it. I think if, as long as you're rational and reasonable about these things, I think they kind of have a way of working them, their ways out. Um, yeah. No, definitely. No, it's amazing. I've, I remember you telling me about it before you actually did it. And mm. I just, I saw the excitement in your face and you generally were like, I, I could, love it. Yeah, yeah I could I see it. genuine passion and also just you wanted to get in there and help. Yeah. It wasn't about, you know, any monetary value or anything like that. It was to develop that and turn into something amazing, which is... And it, and it also, you know, it, and it's definitely not the reason why I do it, but I think people, you know, people lose their mind with social media. They absolutely lose who they are, what they're about, why they started, where they're from, who that's who's helped them. And... Now, I've worked with different companies along the way and got them loads of work with other entities mm. that maybe have bigger projects that are more um, commercially viable for them yeah. or make them more money. They totally forget within split seconds where they started. They kind of follow, they follow the cash, right? And they Yeah, mental. Never, never, and burn bridges and stuff. And I think by doing things that keep you at your base where you started, you, you never lose sight of, you know, what what is kind of important and what you're starting out to achieve. And even even now, some influencers will frown at, you know, three to 500 pounds for an Instagram story. I'm not doing that. Mm. Slap yourself. Yeah. Slap yourself again. Keep yeah. yourself in the head. It's 15 seconds work. If you ever think that that isn't worth mm. 300 pounds of your time, no matter who you are, mm. you don't understand the concept and the value of money. I it's granted so there has to be a commercial model and I get there's other reasons why people don't. Yeah. But from my perspective, when people start talking in those terms that are in a friendship circle or a group of people I network with, mm. don't have respect for it. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? When people because they're not objective about it anymore, they've yeah. completely lost their marbles. And no matter what, and I think that goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. If you've come from the base up, and you've worked at those lower levels for a long period of time or been through that, you will never ever, no matter what you earn, lose sight of that. I think some people, where it it's doesn't context, matter where we come it? from, but yeah. I think some people that may have been gifted a lot of money along the way it's very easy for them to be complacent about money and the value of it. And I think yeah. from, for, for those, I suppose what I'm saying, for those people tuned in um, that have come from or believe that they're coming from a, a harder starting point, it's a bonus. Mm. It will only help you. Yeah, yeah. It can't harm you. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And, it, and if you're coming from a you know a really successful family, great, wicked. There's no there's no harm. Lovely. You can yourself lucky that you know I've had a great childhood and experienced a lot of things and continue that success that your family have given you. Yeah, definitely. And I think Ollie and I obviously both work with you and your brother as well as many other influencers. The influencer space for you, give us a bit of an insight on like that's an element of kind of your side hustle, I suppose. Yeah. Um, that what that landscape looks like, how it's changed over the last couple of years as well. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. It's changed massively. It used to be, I think, a lot more powerful for a lot of brands than it is now. Mm. I think at its inception, when it was people are slightly less aware that people were being paid and there wasn't the same advertising standards and stuff i think people were obviously a little bit more likely to convert off it because they thought oh wow you know my idol that's got a million followers is using that product i'm in yeah i think that transparency apart from maybe very very new to social media people or ignorant people that's not there anymore and i think the the landscape for influencer marketing is definitely more at the micro lower level than the massive numbers of following just for the sake of it because mm. they're saturated they've been absolutely annihilated done everything under the sun um and people are looking a lot more now, not necessarily at following, but just engagement levels mm. and trying to get an actual genuine buck for, bang for buck. It's not a business model we use massively for any of the business I do. And the ones we do use that have good engagement, you normally see a return, but equally it's never kind of put A in and get B out because people will come back in three, four months. So I think that, that landscape's changed. I think it still has a value. It still earns, you know, for Tom particularly with the YouTube, he's probably more prevalent with ads on YouTube than he is Instagram. So that's probably, you know, shift because Instagram has been saturated. It's definitely worth doing. But again, you have to build a following of people that accept that that's part of keeping your your channel alive and, yeah. and people on board. And there's a lot of stuff. I don't, do, I don't do a huge amount. I do say no to quite a lot of stuff as well that I don't agree with mm. or I just wouldn't feel comfortable promoting. I think at the moment you sell yourself out with a kind of a brand that isn't true or aligned with what you do, so you're starting to kind of, chisel away at your your credibility and who you are yeah and your following will just be like no yeah i'm being frank with them like they're going like this is how this works like yeah I make free that content. is what tom's done very well that's isn't what tom it? does do and, and and most of what he does he has a passion you know or some interest in the product or some you know or, or realizes you know he does his watch talk about investment pieces but naturally that that's not available for everyone they don't have the money to invest in it but some of the more budget watches he does he still loves them mm. He still thinks that's a great entry point for someone that can't buy into the the other watch talk I'm doing. It's more, um, you know, relatable and and people. I'd actually say he's got more. Like I, I'm talking to him about all the sw old swatches that he you loves know. That yeah. Stuff. Yeah, 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 I've been picking up some as well, and yeah. like he's more excited talking about that than he is talking about the more high end stuff because yeah. it's like, you know, it's it's more fun. It's more like it's all, it's even with his cars and stuff as well. Like he's he's got like older cars, cars with less value than like the Carrera GT yeah. or whatever, and he enjoys that more. Like you know, and, and again that that kind of hammers home the point about staying grounded yeah and understanding that your following aren't always in the same position as you yeah and yeah i mean if you create a following of people that have seen you put in blood sweat and tears and see the success and the rewards that you reap obviously for instance say a nice car or something like that mm -hmm. that's, that's topical they don't resent it when they've seen the journey yeah so don't feel afraid that if you are successful if you start looking cocky and not kind of you know, giving back to people and, and doing the elements that you started out to achieve, that's when the resentment will be real and you will get people that really don't like you. Yeah, I think that's also that like any anyone who's, I suppose, you know, thinking about going into that influencer space or want to build brand or whatever, I think showing the journey gives is is a very long-term strategy because it gives you so much credibility later down the line. 100%. Like you and Tom, who obviously follow, I follow for day dot and, and known you guys for many years now, but like I've seen your journey. I know it personally, but yeah. I've also seen it. So yeah. like 
you know, when you're picking up a new car or like when we're talking about something else you've got or like with same with Tom, I've seen like, I worked with Tom very closely for two years yeah. almost. Like I saw like the blood, sweat and tears that we went mm. through to get his channel to where it is. Mm. And now this is amazing success that he's having and the cars he's getting. Like when he got the Carrera GT, I was like, he's put in effort for that. It was, yeah, not, yeah, it was yeah. not given to him, but also his audience see that because they saw the journey. Yeah. Like they saw him when he had the M3, how many years, five years ago? Yeah, yeah, like six years ago. He saw that and you know, that car's now back and that's where people really connect with that. Yeah. What a lot of influencers do is not show enough of the, the negatives or the hard work or yeah. anything like that. All like, their platform just focuses on the negatives for sympathy to get. Yeah. And that's another thing that people are kind of going the other side of it and going, you know, trying to get a sympathy vote. I think, you know, if as long as you're kind of very real world mm. and self-deprecating, me and Tom don't take ourselves seriously. We take the mick out of each other. Yeah. You know, and, and that stops other people doing it. And we don't, you know, touch wood, don't get trolled at all. And never really Did you ever get, like, in the early days of London Muscle, like, friends, family and stuff, was everyone like, because I, when I started Green Tea, mm. I was at college at the time, and everyone was like, stupid no, fucking stupid idea. idea. Like, you're up yourself. Like, it's, it's an ego thing, blah, blah, blah. And now, where I am today, those same people are like, well done on the new office. Well done on all that. And I'm like, but I don't really resonate with them because I remember that beginning bit. They weren't like, I think Supported. successful people want to see other successful people succeed. That's kind of a thing, isn't yeah, it? Where like yeah. you want to see that. For the early days of London Muscle, was it a bit like, you know, what are these lads doing? Like, yeah, I think was there so. Any of that? I mean, yeah, I think people were skeptical and people don't want to see you do well as well. Quite often, they kind yeah. of like, oh god, that's a good idea. So I'll just say it's a bad idea, so that yeah. they, you know they don't, they don't, and I'll try and run with it. So yeah, I think so. But I think also when you create your own business, you're very quickly aware of the people that aren't genuine anyway. Yeah. My, my social circle and my friendship group is extremely small. For me, I work, work from either my, my home or wherever I am. You have to build a day structure. You have to have, right, everything evolves in the day and you think you'll get stuff done and it doesn't, you get 50 calls. But like for me, even simple things, like in the evening, if I'm eating dinner, I don't have my phone with me. Really? It's in a different room. Because it's, you, it becomes habitual, just checking it. You don't even know you're doing it. Yeah. It's just there, you're swiping, you're refreshing, you're checking, you know, beep or beep. It's, yeah, just, yeah. it's just hell. The Shopify ringtone so like, is my favorite one. There's, there's basic control. Yeah. And that, that's no different in the morning to having a structure whereby you might just do all your customer service things first thing, you might do all your emails because you have to have that structure. Because in mm. a normal nine to five, you wouldn't you wouldn't be logged in on your phone at dinner anyway. It's not yeah, even an yeah, issue. Not, you would yeah. have logged off for three hours before. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to slap yourself and come back to reality. Yeah. And I do. And that's such a small thing. It might only be half an hour, 40 minutes, unless it's a product launch or something where I need to be online. I'm going to get screamed at if I'm not. But other than that, that's just those basic things where, you know, physically remove yourself from it. And mine is a physical removal. I have to put it in another room. If it's by the table, I'll touch it and get screamed at. So just little things like that. And I think if you can put those in at the beginning, even better. Because mm. I didn't for five years, four or five years. Really? Yeah. What made you, what made you like change? Was it just purely because you look back mate, and were like- eating, like there's, there's more to life than sitting there eating with one hand and texting with the other. Yeah. Know? And just like you're saying with your parents, you know, or my mum or whoever, it, it, it's not normal. No. You know, 10, 15 years Especially ago. Especially to them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, what yeah, on it, earth is going on here? If you're in the room with someone and you, it's disrespect, it is rude. Yeah, Whatever way you slice it, whether you think, oh, it's for the furtherance of my business and my, 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 my bank account, cool. Mm. But for other people, especially of a different generation, like you're saying, it's just yeah. not okay. Like, yeah. When I'm on two phones whilst I'm trying to have a conversation with my mum, it's like, I found myself at days where I'm so busy, I haven't been to the toilet, I haven't eaten, it's five o'clock, I'm shaking, or <laughs> I'm on the phone, you know, I'm on the phone having to sit down, you know, go for a wee and sit down because there's a client call. Like, sit down wheeze to get sit you Sit down wheeze a key. 
you want one tip I found myself finishing you know calls or you know being in situations where I think you can't, that can't be okay no yeah that, that, that isn't I almost and think, I think that if you lose sight of that you're in a bad place I think you have to realise it for yourself though I you think do, that's a do, big do, thing do. Like you can't like we might say this to someone who's listening who is in that position but they have to go through understanding it for themselves you can't be told yeah, that you that's have to not lose right. a few relationships you have to fall out with your family to, to realise it yeah. you know I have to but inevitably that's what happens yeah. Yeah. No, but is that a bad thing if you lose a relationship over it well if they didn't understand it do you need that added stress when you've got a business trying to grow or what are you going to what are you going to focus on they're your two choices mm. I've already always been very career yeah. minded Mm. like career first if a relationship wants to chip away at that and say I'm not happy with that cool I'm, I'm career yeah, yeah. I, don't want I, guess, I guess opportunity cost is quite a big I mean that's what we're that's talking it. about isn't it like in all of that that stuff when we're talking about starting up the confidence the risk of like having your the piss taken out of you a bit of like yeah. what you're doing like there is a lot of opportunity cost there yeah, equally like London Muscle could have died like yeah. it could have it could have gone down but I think it's the support at the beginning job so yeah so it's 100 percent or nothing which is cliche i know but it, it's fundamentally that is it no yeah it makes sense um, makes more sense but yeah interesting thought-provoking that's why we're here that's why we're here today <laughs> um, guys. should we should we digress into one of these one of these side hustles which we're all part of here the winning touch yeah, and where that came from obviously that was your idea we, we me and you found it together and jamie recently joined but just waiting for a clap <laughs> thank you lewis um it's not a sound effect that was genuine people <laughs> there are fans in i know the 303 room. do specialize in you know <laughs> you know skills but that's what's um yeah so like the winning touch obviously for anyone that doesn't know and if they don't know they should get to know but like where did that idea for you come from it was kind of a consumer you're a big consumer of of that stuff right yeah and all our businesses well personally all my businesses have been evolved out of something that i either utilize or i see yeah a, a space for not because i've sat there as a brainy like wizard just because it's a, it's a natural kind of yeah. uh, choice to make so um yeah i always like to keep the cars that i've had from from the most meager cars i've had from when i was a kid i always like to keep them clean and yeah. like pride and joy look after them whatever blah, blah, were you blah. cleaning like were you really cleaning your first ever like proper like proper car but like your first ever pride and joy car mate my 400 pound clear got 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 love. detailed yeah really? mate like that's that's it was 400 quid that was a lot of money at the time that was yeah what, yeah, yeah. yeah it's my pride and joy uh, and again if you're commercially minded you look after your stuff you sell it for more money you save yeah. more money you don't waste money because that's the, the kind of journey we're in yeah so yeah so anyway i had a load of different cleaning products from different manufacturers whizzing around my boot every corner but they were all my little things my thing to clean my tires my thing to put tire gel on my thing yeah. to clean windows and and in my head i was like this is crazy like i've got six different brands here i'm having to pay postage each time from six different companies i run out they all run out at different times and i haven't got anywhere to store them there's got to be a detailing kit and then we went over to monaco um a few years ago and the roads were quite lightly dusty and everyone in the morning you know we've got all nice cars outside but everyone wanted to give their car a little make it look nice mm. right make it look clean when we're into town yeah you know, all the cars are on display don't want a rusty or, or dusty car so anyway so i was like there's, there's got to be a market for something that's transportable that mm. encapsulates all the kind of quick use products um obviously we can expand the range and anyway that was the rest is history so i've you know sorted out that problem by creating a kit of of go-to products from yeah. the same manufacturer um that could be stored in a bag and not not fly around the boot and it was as simple as that i think what's quite interesting about it as well is like when we started the winning touch there was probably what 10 direct competitors straight out the door that yeah. were at the same level yeah and 
you know, we were trying to make it transport, so we we're trying to make it convenient. We were trying to hit those factors, but those guys were too. But I think what is quite interesting for people starting brands now is that they probably think, oh, I'm going to start a version of ProCuts. Mm. ProCuts are already doing it, but I'm going to start my version. Mm. I can't do it because they're doing it. When actually, there are ways of adapting things. You can change the business. It can yeah. be a different offering. Like that's what yeah. we, much we did with Winning Touch. Like we tried to find the convenience. We, we started at Lean. We built the brand and like the brand kind of does its own thing now and, and it's just got a space in the market. Yeah, and we launched with the solution to the problem. We launched yeah. backwards. So we basically went with our own products and now diversified into products that are already in existence. Yeah. With other brands. Yeah, so, yeah. and also just, yeah, it's premium, isn't it? It looks, you know, a lot of stuff in that space was very kind of like bulk. Yes. Valeting products rather than premium home use, you know, commercial rather than private. So yeah, it created a solution and it was just, you know, and it's backed by people again that were credible when that, you know, take pride in what they own and, and, and use the product themselves. Yeah. You're not going to use something on your car that damages it, are you? I mean, we're probably the people that use our own product, like the product the most. The most anyone yeah. anyone that's ever had the product yeah. so far, I know it's a small small business, but like we use it day in and day out all the time. Yeah. We're always talking about how we can make it better, what we don't like. Yeah. I mean, we spent, what, two months working on trigger heads just because we were finding, like, do you know what I mean? We're yeah, finding yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that also, that's come two years later. Like we, it was pretty much an MVP. We, we found a product, we branded it up, it looked cool. We knew the product worked. We knew it was convenient. It ticked enough boxes. We got it out and then we started taking the customer feedback and then developed it. And yeah. I think that's kind of the best journey is make a product. It was one product, get it out there, see what responses and develop it from there. Don't yeah. try and develop a product that you think is going to change because we probably made decisions based on customers. We haven't made decisions based yeah, on our own experiences. Yeah, that's where um, the money's coming from. Yeah, exactly, which is, which is great. Um, cool. Any, any more for any more? Any other I suppose business? the only other, the only other bit is where where you're going now. What's what's London Muscle doing? Obviously, you've got new brands launching. Well, by the time this podcast out, your new one will be launched. Yep, by yeah. that point, but I suppose most interestingly, there must have been a bit of a shift with COVID for London Muscle. But is London Muscle still got a kind of big bit of growth going on? What's yeah, the London main Muscle focus? Is, well, over the years, it's gone from digital training plans, which is obviously a lot more, well, not even competitive, just a lot more saturated, which. Yeah will always happen no matter who you are and yeah. if 10 startups start and they will make 50 grand you've lost half a million yeah you know it's as quick as that and as simple as that so we always diversify education is huge for us now that's where we focus a lot of our attention education up in central london yeah it's a bit of and know, that's full level three pt yeah to qualify people in the industry that want to become a personal trainer so the regulated yeah. um, qualification so that's the shift um for that but that's still very much you know that we've just had the busiest month we've ever had for the economy, really? even in these times uh, people wanting to reskill, so that's that. And then from my own personal kind of uh, perspective, outside of that, it's just applying the same business models, not going mad, but anything else that naturally surfaces that would be a good um, startup. Mm. You know, just add a few more to that kind of that list of businesses. But born again out of things that I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, probably get another one or two ventures this year. Maybe joint ventures with products that you know aren't things that I necessarily would make or do myself, but that other people bring to me. And I think that that kind of would be well-branded. Your yeah. time, knowledge, yeah, exactly. all that or, sort of stuff. Or a pre-existing product for another brand that's failing uh, yeah. under a different kind of head. So just constantly expanding and getting different revenue revenue um, kind of um, chains and also the, the prison project stuff should be massive um, once yeah. we can get back in there and do what Yeah, cool. I imagine so. that's been held because of COVID yeah, and stuff. Yeah, can get back in. So it's, it's been on hold, but, but building that and gaining the momentum we had before COVID. So much more of the same, really. And I think once you're in that um, mindset, it just naturally kind of evolves. Yeah. But also, you know, I'm working behind the scenes on an online business school as well. Amazing. Exciting. So a lot going on. Yeah. 
Perfect. And I imagine there's probably about three people listening to this podcast that don't follow you, but if they do want to follow you and follow you where all your antics get up to, where can they find you? Yeah, so it's uh, just my initials, J-E, and then underscore L-D-N-M. So yeah, nice and simple, but uh, apologies in advance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually quite mild on there compared to what I used to be. You used to be aggressive. I used to be swimming across the kitchen floor and all sorts, and if you don't know what that means, you're lucky. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. I actually forgot about that. You can't I just go wild. I remember doing I still do it, but I just can't put it up as much. I have to have a sort of brand safe. Hat on, hat on, but I still swim on the kitchen floor. Well, brands are telling you not to swim on your kitchen floor. No, I just get like doctors and people messaging me saying, "Look, are you actually okay?" I remember, I remember, like a quick story. Me say, genuinely, are you okay? I, like, I remember, like logging into Instagram like five o'clock on a Tuesday or something, and I went on. I saw you alive. I went on because I knew it was going to be some form of entertainment. You had a shower cap on, goggles on your kitchen floor, full wood with just water splashing about everywhere. Yeah, I, mean, I was crying. Gosh, I was just so yeah. confused. It was, I think it was the first time I saw it. I was like, don't do that if you want to start a business. That wasn't necessarily the reason why. Do you know what? Funny you say that last thing. Self deprecating. Instagram lives. Did it for 18 weeks. Yeah. Didn't do it for any monetary reward at all. Just yeah. did it because, you know, I've had over eight people that said they want to commit suicide. You know, there's amazing stuff that comes yeah. out of those things and you create a community of people and that's, that's worth more than money. But just little things like it was absolutely chucking it down. So I could have gone, oh God, I'm not doing the workout. I just went outside, put a swim hat on, put a pair of goggles on. I don't care if I look like an idiot, couldn't care less. Yeah. The amount of people that benefited from a kind of laughter point of view and felt a bit better about their day and their life mm. and everything else. And it's what, 30 on. minutes of your day? Go yeah, on, so what? And, if you've it's got, if you, and it's that kind of stuff as well that, you know, you can't hate, you can never hate that. Mm. And, and that's the kind of stuff. And I don't do it not to be hated, but if you've got, you know, a business brain, but also like a kind of, I don't know what, a compassionate brain. You'll always go further. Yeah. Always. Because people like you as a person. Yeah. And they want to support your venture. And when they pay money to your company, they don't think, oh God, he's done me, he's fleeced me. Yeah. Look at him being an arrogant sod. They think, do you know what? That's cool. I'm happy. I've actually almost wanted to, you know, you'd be biz- like there's on Shopify, people you can donate. Yeah. We get donations. <laughs> people just want to support yeah. the people that even if they don't necessarily need that product, they want to have a way of saying, do you know what? Thank you for the last 18 weeks. Yeah. I'll just buy your product to support you because yeah. I'm grateful for the yeah. stuff you do outside of commerce. And that's my way of saying thank you. Brand strength's massive. 100%. Yeah. And something we talk about quite a lot with our clients, like gaining brand champions. Like yeah. how's the easiest way to really enfranchise someone for life to LDNM? Yeah. Um, because with the workouts as well, I've seen you reshare like the same people are doing it day in and day out yeah, and they love the fact that they're on the page and all that stuff yeah. is great. So yeah. Amazing. Well, Jamie, if people want to leave a review, where do they do it and how do they do it? Do you know? Mm. No, you don't. So if you enjoy this podcast, please, if you're listening on iTunes, iTunes only can leave a review, drop a review, give us a star rating. Um, and obviously if you how purchase- How many stars can they choose from? Five. Could you leave five? Five full if stars, you, please. Thank yes, you very please. much. Um, James, thanks very much for joining us, mate. Pleasure. Really do appreciate it. Um, Jamie, thank you as always. And uh, yeah, we will see you soon. Ciao. Ciao. Bye.